Oh, hello. Welcome to the In Doubt Show. Oh no, my air sitar. Oh, I needed a new one anyways. Hey, we got a great show for us today. We continue our series on World of Religions Unraveled, and we're talking through Buddhism today. Just want to remind you, stick around after the interview. We have something fun for you. We hope you enjoyed today's program. Listen, we got a fantastic show for us today. Welcome to the Endout Show. Um, before we even dive into anything, I want to say a couple things for you. First, if you could subscribe, like, turn the notification bell on, that would be amazing because we have a lot of content that we give out throughout the week on YouTube and we want to make sure that you're informed so that you can uh, get access to that because we want to resource you with a good biblical truth for your life. The second thing, the match campaign. We have a generous supporter who pledged up to $5,000 in match uh, fun. So if you want to give $10, that person will give 10 so it becomes 20 If you want to give $500, that becomes 1000 And so we're wrapping up this match campaign. Uh, the goal is to hit 5000 which means we get it doubled to 10000 which is such a blessing for the ministry. So indoubt.ca, we appreciate your support and uh, double your impact today. It's a fantastic opportunity. That's all i got to say now, so I'm going to turn it to my favorite Chris. Chris, how are you? I'm good. How come you don't have a theme song? Do you I want me to write I... you one? No, I think I'm good. Okay. <laughs> he doesn't like that uh, he's my favorite Chris because he feels I'm, offended for Chris Martin, I Chris Tomlin. bad for all the other Chris's. All the other Chris's in the world. But you know what? Yeah. None compares to you. So if you're a Chris wow. and you're watching, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but anyways, you're doing well though. Life's good? Yeah, life is good. Uh, we're talking about Buddhism today. We That's are. your sign that uh, is right in front of you. Yes. Do you even know what it says? I forget. I think I saw it, but I don't. Uh, karma isn't so. real. Change my mind. Uh <laughs> Ah, uh, yes. We're going to unpack karma. We're going to unpack Buddhism, all that kind of stuff. But before, I'll introduce you to third guest. And I can't believe this third guest is actually in the studio. This is unbelievable that they would fly out for this. But when you hear this music, hopefully this is the music. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Barack Obama in studio. Barack, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing good, Andrew. Uh, pretty, pretty good. Uh, I, I, I don't uh, really know what to say. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> 20 minutes later. Uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, I just the, love that the, you're a fan of the show. I, Can I, I just I'm, say that? I'm a huge fan of, of the show. Uh, wow. Uh, President, thank you so much. That's amazing. Wow. I can't believe, Barack, you're, you flew out here specifically for this. Like, you're just uh, you, you know what? I, I, I wouldn't say that. Uh, I, no, but I, I thought. He, no, uh, he, you know, but, uh, you know, I, he, I like he, Andrew, but we're we're not that close. Okay, okay? Uh, <laughs> you didn't hear that here, is... folks. Um, <laughs> uh, all jokes aside, uh, we have Marcus Miller in the house, the man, the myth, the hey. legend. Uh, well, about two hundred voices. You could, yeah, yeah with, hey, ladies and, and gentlemen. More music. Yeah, it's Ginny of the. There he is, folks. Uh, over two hundred voices. Do you do voices in song? Sometimes, because that could like open up a whole new world. A whole new a whole, world. Oh. 
Do it. A dazzling place. Yes. I never knew. Do it. <laughs> uh, no. no. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Barack Obama. But when knows we're way up lyrics. here, uh, it's crystal clear. Uh, but now I'm in a whole new world with you. You know, I, I didn't expect to be doing this today. Uh, no, Ben, this but, is well know, planned out. Uh, <laughs> I, I am excited to discuss what we're going to be talking about today. I think it's going to be really insightful. And I'm again, I'm so blessed that you're here. Those in audio world, they're probably like, oh my goodness. <laughs> Go to YouTube so you can see uh, Barack <laughs> Obama's face. <laughs> so a couple of things. Uh, I want to remind you guys uh, before we dive into the today's topic. We have the Union Conference coming up November 17-18. Go to theunionmovement.com. Uh, we're going to be there as a show. The Indout Show is going to be there. We're going to be doing something on the Saturday. Um, kind of hosting a Q&A with some of the, the keynote speakers. And so... Uh, it's going to be a great conference. We're talking about a lot of things, sex, identity, relationships, um, lots of good stuff. So theunionmovement.com, register, and we will see you there. It's going to be awesome. Um, we are in a series on uh, World Religions Unraveled. And so today we're talking about Buddhism. We have Steve Kim, who is with us uh, all the way in. He hails in Alberta, where That's you're right. actually Spruce originally actually from. actually really close to where I lived. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So Spruce he said Grove, it's about Alberta. Nice. He said it's about forty de- minus forty degrees right now. Pretty good. Did he and, say that? Yeah, he did. He, he he said it's not fun being a bald man when it's forty degrees yeah. and oh. minus forty degrees. And I'm like, trust yeah. me, I understand finally. <laughs> anyway, so we're gonna dive into this conversation. Uh, you know, just to remind you uh, why we're doing a, a series on world religions. Uh, we're not trying to make fun of other religions or bash other people. We just understand there's a lot of resources for young people uh, to help engage and evangelize non-believers or people who are in doubt, if you will. Uh, But there's not a lot of resources for people who uh, are passionate about a different faith background. How do we reach them? How do we love them? How do we help them? How do we build bridges and find some common ground? And so we're doing this series to just become students, to learn about different faith backgrounds, to help equip us to love and serve and point people to the gospel. And so today we're talking about Buddhism. We have Steve Kim on the line. And so let's dive into the conversation and um, learn from him. So maybe Obama, Obama, could you say let's cut to the interview? Uh, Let's cut to the interview. All right, we have Steve Kim all the way in Alberta. He is the uh, Alberta Director of Apologetics Canada. How are you doing, man? Doing great. Doing great. It's so good to be here, man. I'm so grateful that you're taking time. I mean, you're jet lagged. You were just in Scotland of all places. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Yeah. Uh I was I was telling you earlier, just before we started, that now my favorite Simpsons character is groundskeeper Willie. Can you give us a little uh <laughs> I'm sure you were there for six days. You can uh say something as uh, well, when I um, came back, I got a little souvenir from my son. It's it was it's a Scottish like Highland cow, right? So as I was handing it to him, I was like, "All right, lad, here is Harry the Highland cow." That was pretty awesome. That's he enjoyed amazing. that. That's amazing. Okay, tell us a little bit about yourself before we dive into uh, this topic on Buddhism. So you have one son. Tell us about your family life, your ministry life. Yeah. um, When I introduce myself, I often tell people that probably the most important thing that you should know about me is that I'm an adopted son of God Most High, Mm. um, who not only granted this rebel who committed high treason clemency, but Mm. in his good pleasure saw it fit to adopt me into his family 
so that I can inherit his kingdom to reign in it with his one and only son, Jesus Christ. That mm. blows my mind. Um, amazing, man. So that's that's the most important thing about me. I am also a family man. I have, I am married to a wife of 13 years, going on 14, uh, Sharina. And I have two kids, Maya and Tavin. Maya is, she just turned 10, double digits. I have, wow. I don't know how I feel about this. Wow, I don't know either. Um, actually. And my I son will single be single digits. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You'll you'll get there, and it'll, oh, you'll have all kinds of feelings. Um, <laughs> yeah. My son is about to turn eight. He'll turn eight in November, okay. so that's coming up too. So yeah, Amazing, and um, and then the next important thing is that I work with Andy Steiger at Apologetics Canada. We work with a great team. Um, I serve as the Alberta director from the Edmonton area. Awesome, man. Awesome. You know, we are, we are huge fans of Apologetics Canada here at In Doubt. And so uh, anytime we get a chance oh, to talk you. to you or Andy, uh, the whole crew, Wes, I mean, we're, we just love all that you're doing and we're always cheering you on. You guys are such a blessing to us and so many people. And so it is an honor to sit with you and talk. And, you know, I'm excited about this conversation. And like we were saying, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's important to dive into, you know, what other religions believe find kind of the common ground mm. of how we can engage in evangelistic conversations uh, with friends, family, loved ones, strangers, neighbors, etc. And so today we're talking about Buddhism right. and um, there's yeah. a lot to learn about this topic and a lot to, to learn about this religion. But maybe before we even dive in, let's just go to um, just the core beliefs and even the even take us back to when it started, how it started, uh, maybe some of the history. Mm-hmm. Let's do a deep dive today on Buddhism. Yeah, um, and as I get there, I just want to preface it by saying that this is a religion that I've taken some interest in simply because I grew up in South Korea um, you know, with a pretty strong Buddhist presence. Mm. And so my actually my grandparents and my dad, they were Buddhists before I was born. Um, and either when I was really young or just, just before I was born, my grandmother, um, found Jesus or I should say Jesus found her wow. and, um, came to know the Lord and the rest of the family got baptized afterwards. But, um, but you know, to this day, I, my extended family members, some of them are still Buddhist. When I was in middle school, I actually went to a private Buddhist middle school. Uh, that was interesting a Christian kid going to a Buddhist school. So when I was doing my master's studies, I took some interest in Buddhism and studied it a little bit. So um, core beliefs of Buddhism, it might be helpful if we kind of go to sort of the origin story. So Buddhism as a religion, we know it today, um, really starts with the figure of Siddhartha Gautama, who was actually a prince in um in northern india now scholars are a little divided on exactly when he lived so it could be anywhere from you know f- mid 500s bc um to you know four maybe some people think he lived about 400s bc but whatever the case may be the story goes that um before he was born his father the king had received this prophecy that 
that the child that he was about to have is either going to become a mighty king after him or that he would become this amazing sage who will bring enlightenment to many people. Mm. Now, the, the father, the king, wanted his son to be a king after him. So what he does is he keeps his son within the confines of the palace and the king just showered him with all the pleasures that he could afford as a king for the son. Mm. Um, the Siddhartha Gautama, he marries a woman, has a son. But then there is a day when he actually leaves the palace and he sees the, the, the so-called the four sights. Remember, this is a man who grew up without knowing anything about suffering whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And the foresights are the first one he saw is an old man, right? And and of course, you know, old man, he's he's ailing, his his body doesn't work like you know, a young man's body. And you know, it, it was rather tragic to see for Siddhartha Gautama, who grew up with all the pleasures in the palace. So that shakes him up a bit. And then he goes on farther to see a man who is sick. This also troubles him. And then he goes on farther. He sees the third side, which is a dead body. He sees a corpse for the first time that greatly shakes him. And then the fourth side, was he, he encounters a monk and he finds this peace about him that he really likes. And so what ends up happening is Siddhartha Gautama actually decides to leave his wife and son and all the pleasures of his previous life in in the palace. And he becomes an ascetic. Mm. And so he tries to find the answer to the question of suffering. Because he seems so, the the suffering that he saw in in that encounter that I mentioned, he was so shaken up that he wants to find answers. So what he does is as an ascetic, he, he, you know, there's there's self-mortification that happens. Like he starves himself and he doesn't drink or he does, or eats very little at least. And and you know, basically flogs himself. All these things, and, and he said he just doesn't find any answers there. Mm. So he grew up in this extreme pleasure on the one hand, and he goes to the extreme other end, extreme end. He find doesn't find the answer there, and so what he does is he comes to the middle, and and when he achieves enlightenment under the Bodhi tree, um. He, he finds the middle way. Hmm. And then th- this is where you get the four noble truths. Now for Buddhism, this is the like the core doctrine. So Buddhism, if you follow this story that I just laid out before you, is really a response to suffering. Mm-hmm. Why is there suffering in the world and how do we deal with it? Mm-hmm. So the four noble truths starts with, well, well, let me put it to you this way. The Four Noble Truths, it's helpful. It'll be easier to remember if you think of it as some kind of a medical treatment or diagnosis. Mm. So the first one is the symptom, and the symptom is suffering. There's suffering in the world. That is just a given. Uh, the second noble truth is the diagnosis. You know, what is the cause of this suffering? And the Buddha taught that this is because of the, we call it desire sometimes or attachment but probably the best sort of translation of the word would be craving. We grasp onto things, we crave things, we hold on to things. 
Um, and then the third noble truth is the prognosis, cessation of suffering. This is what we call nirvana. So nirvana literally means to be extinguished and snuff out. And so th this, when you cease to crave, you have basically removed the cause of the suffering, hmm. right? And so then um, the fourth noble truth is the, basically the prescription. So how do we achieve nirvana? And that's where you follow the eightfold path. So you think you're just about done oh, with four noble man. truths, but yeah. there's a, like eight more. But yeah, so the eightfold path. Okay. If as you follow it, you will you will be able to free yourself from the wheel of reincarnation or samsara as it is called mm. so the, the the buddhist view is, is like that that there is suffering where you are caught in this wheel of reincarnation a lot like hinduism mm -hmm. but actually their understanding of reincarnation is quite different too but you this you're caught in this trap of rebirth and redeath Hmm. And over and over again, it goes on, and all the suffering in between the birth and the death as well. So the the, the sort of the goal of Buddhism is to be liberated from that. So to be liberated from all suffering, right? Suffering, um, and the sort of the the trap that you're in is the wheel of reincarnation, right? And so you want to uh, you want to be you want to escape from that. And you say that so, with like Buddhism and Hinduism, they have different views of reincarnation. So walk us through like the Buddhist approach. Like, what do you mean when you say that? So the wheel of reincarnation at the root of it is this doctrine of karma. Hmm. Now the Hindu understanding of karma is that you, depending on the kind of karmic debt you have, you're trying to pay off the karmic debt by doing good deeds. And depending on how well you do, either in this life or the next life, you're going to, it's going to come back to you basically, mm -hmm. right? So if you have been a terrible person in this life, you might come back in the next life as an animal. Mm -hmm. um, and if you've been particularly bad, you might even come back as a plant mm. or even a rock, right? Um, but if you do a good job of paying down the karmic debt, Hmm. then you can achieve, in Hinduism, what you call moksha, which is basically the nirvana equivalent, hmm. sort of, um, and you're liberated from this world. Now, what's curious is that in Hinduism and Buddhism, there, the doctrine of the self, the view of the human self is very different. Hindus believe that you have a soul or you have an essence, rather, as you say, right? So in the wheel of reincarnation, it's really you that comes back in different forms. Mm. The Buddha actually rejected that. Mm. Um, he taught that we have no soul, we have no self, that we are just a bundle of what, you, what Buddhists call the five aggregates, like the body, the sensations, the will, consciousness, all, all those things. So we're just a bundle of constantly fluctuating mm. um, aggregates so there is none of those things are you and you actually don't exist so it's a really curious thing where in buddhism when there's this wheel of reincarnation i said you are trapped in it that's not entirely correct hmm. because when you come back it's not really you because there is no you to come back it's just that the 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 process of karma in buddhism which is just seen as 
this cause and effect kind of a thing. It, one event leads to the next. Mm -hmm. That leads to the next. That leads to the next. Um, so what you want to do is you want to cut that off, cut that chain of action and reaction off so that you can be then liberated from the wheel of reincarnation. Because that, that karma, that cause and effect is what's keeping you in this cycle of reincarnation. And when you can cut that off, that, that process of action and reaction, then you're liberated. And the way to get to that is through the eightfold path. Okay, so- Does that sort of make sense? I know it's pretty complicated. But. It, it is, especially when it's like right when you do the four noble truths and you're like, okay, I made it to the end. It's like, no, there's actually the eight path and then there's the five, mm -hmm. you know, the senses and different things. So so I wonder then with, so this karmic, what do you, how do you call it? A karmic death, uh, debt? Debt. Yeah, debt. debt. Yeah. yeah, so with that debt, which is very similar, because I mean, we believe that our debts are paid. So they're paying mm -hmm. their own debt and that's by doing good deeds. Yeah. So, so hang on. We got to backtrack a little bit. When I was describing the karmic debt, that's more of a Hindu view of things. Oh, okay. Okay. For the Buddhists, it's not so much the karmic debt. It's just the cutting, it's just cause and effect. It's yeah, yeah. Action and reaction. Yeah. Yeah. And you want to cut that process off. Um, and the way to do that is actually by seeing the world as it is. Um, okay. The, so, the what, really practically, then, how would one. Mm -hmm. Cut. Right. So this is where the Eightfold Path comes in. Now, the Eightfold Path can be divided up into three sections, wisdom, morality, and meditation. Hmm. So the first two fall into the category of wisdom. The first thing that you want to do is you want to have the right view. Mm -hmm. You want to have the right view of the world. Um if you're trapped in ignorance, then you're not going to be able to free yourself from this. So this is where I'll use a couple of big words here. Buddhism is a Gnostic soteriology. Mm -hmm. Gnostic soteriology. Now, what I mean by that is soteriology is the doctrine of salvation, mm. right? Some um, Christians who are somewhat well-versed in theology might have heard that term before. Um, soteriology means a doctrine of salvation. But Gnostic soteriology means, Gnostic means knowledge, comes from the Greek word gnosis. And so Buddhism is ultimately a doctrine of salvation that is based on your knowledge. Hmm. So that's why enlightenment is a huge deal, mm -hmm. right? The word Buddha means enlightened one. Hmm. Um, and, and so what what, in order for you to release yourself from this world, the bare minimum that you have to do is you need to have the right view of the world. You need to be able to see things as they are. Mm. So, for example, the fact that you actually don't have a soul, right? Everything is a flux of action and reaction. Mm -hmm. So here's a really key thing for Buddhism is that nothing is permanent. Nothing is permanent. Everything is a flux of action and reaction. Things are constantly changing. So when you crave and you grasp onto things as if they're permanent, you will eventually lose it and that causes suffering. Mm. So I have family and if, I mean, to use the Christian language, if I idolize my family, mm. right, uh, that's going to hurt me in the end because I'm just not 
built to live that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and e- Buddhists would say, even your sense of self, you think you have a soul and you have a self, you actually don't. So you're eventually going to die and you're going to lose it. It's going to slip through your fingers. So that that's why the craving, the grasp, that attachment is so bad because you hang on to things as if they're permanent, but everything is impermanent, so you're going to eventually lose it. Does that, does that sort of make sense? Yeah, it does. And I wonder, like, when you connect it with Christianity, there is some similarities there where, you know, we are called not to yeah. idolize things or to grasp onto the things of this world because it, it's true. Mm-hmm. Nothing is permanent. We're going to leave all this behind. Yeah. Um, I, I guess from a Christian perspective, there are some things that are permanent. I, I mean, in, hmm. in in this life, things like wealth, things yeah, like, you know, houses, family, these cars, are whatever, impermanent. Yeah. Right. The, the things that we chase after, like fame and all those yeah. things, right? But we would also say that God is permanent, mm-hmm. that, you know, our, our souls, because God has made us so, our souls are permanent. And in this relationship will also go on forever. Like, I mean, like it or not, man, Andrew, you're stuck with me for the rest of eternity, oh, buddy. and we're going to be spending it. that together in do, God's do you presence. Think, do you think when we're in glory together, we'll have like a full head of hair? Oh, I don't know. I, I sure hope so. <laughs> I, I'd like to have my long, beautiful locks back. Yeah, um, yeah. The, our great, our gracious Lord has uh, gifted me with many a great gift, but. Yeah, <laughs> robust hair follicles wasn't one of them. So. Dang it! <laughs> yeah, so then going back to the eightfold path, the first thing is right view, mm-hmm. and then with the right view, you can form the right intentions mm. towards life. So that's the wisdom side of things. Now you move into the morality section: right view, right intention, leading to right speech. Mm-hmm. So you know, not lying. You know, um, kind of like you know, not bearing false witness. All those things would fall under that right action mm-hmm. such as not killing right and buddhists are, are known for not eating meat mm-hmm. um because eating meat requires killing mm-hmm. and they don't want to do that so on and so forth um and they've uh, restrained from any uh forbidden sex acts like adultery so on and so forth and then right speech right action leading to right livelihood mm-hmm. right uh, way of living from there, you move into the, the meditation category, which is right effort, right mindfulness, right concentration, hmm. right? So through, through these, um, uh, these, if you will, mode of, of living, mm-hmm. um, you are, in theory, you're supposed to be able to reach nirvana, hmm. that cessation of craving, which actually then leads to here, here's the here's an interesting part. Remember earlier I said that Buddhists don't believe that you have a soul. Mm-hmm. So when you reach Nirvana, now you have broken the chain of action and reaction. Um, you have broken the broken the sort of cause and effect of karma, and you're going to be released from the wheel of reincarnation. So once you have reached nirvana, your body will go on until it expires. But once your body expires, you also cease to exist. So the end game in Buddhism uh, for a human being is actually to cease to exist. Hmm. I know it sounds very different. That's from crazy. That's like very what, different. Yeah. Yeah. 
Very different. Yeah. So because because to live is to suffer. So you want to cease. Like even this having conscious experience and all of these things, this is not what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, we want hmm. to. Yeah. So it, it's it's quite different from Christianity. So when you talk of and when you talk about like karma and like okay, if you've been a bad person, you might come as a plant or a rock or an animal. Um, so then if you're yeah. a really, really good person, do you cease mm. to exist or do you come back as like, is everyone coming back as something? Yeah. Again, here, here's the tricky part, right? Um, like Hindus would say, yeah, you, you die, you come back as rock or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Buddhists don't believe that. Not, not quite like that. Uh, where they, they focus more on the fact that, you know, you're, it's just karma. So l- let me put it to you this way. So when you have a certain kind of craving and desire, mm-hmm. that'll lead to a certain kind of action, right? That's what they call karma, is that karma is action. When there's action, there's going to be consequences. There's reaction, mm-hmm. the result. Mm-hmm. And then that leads to more desire, karma, result. And it's just, it's a big cycle and you're trapped in it. And it again if you understand that the the end game is for you to cease to exist then you don't want to be in this conscious experience all the time mm-hmm. um so yeah they they place less of a stock on like what you come back as cuz remember that in buddhism you don't exist so actually it's not you that comes back right it's just the the flux of processes that make up what we see as you and me mm-hmm. as individuals that's what comes back over and over again i know th- this one's a, buddhism is a real doozy so i tell people listen if you want to study a religion that's so different from christianity give buddhism a try it's, it's very very different yeah it seems very much um like opposite in a lot of ways, but I wonder like, so Mm. would there eight, the eight, uh, paths or whatever it was called, um, would that be considered like the eightfold path? Would that be considered their like 10 commandments? Cause it seems like, you know, no adultery, no murder, you know, Mm -hmm. would that be equivalent to what Christians believe as kind of the right way of living? Yeah, there is some overlap there for sure. You know, uh, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery. Those things would fall very neatly under the morality part of it. Mm-hmm. But the Eightfold Path also has this, um, the wisdom side of it. Like you've got to have right view, right intention, mm-hmm. right? So the, the key thing is to be enlightened so that you can see reality as it really is. Mm-hmm. Right? That, so that... Um, I mean, you could argue that the first commandment in the Ten Commandments is kind of like that, where you need to know the reality of things where God is God and you're not him and there's only one sovereign Lord. There is no other. Thou thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Mm -hmm. Right. So you could argue that. So there is a fair bit of... um, fair bit of uh, overlap there. But then you also have the meditation side of things where you have the right effort, right mindfulness, right concentration. Mm-hmm. Those are less like the Ten Commandments, but it's kind of, it all it all leads to, it, it is a, a way of practicing yeah. 
Buddhism. So in that sense, there could be some overlap between that and Ten Commandments. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I wonder like, okay, so their their main goal, like, so I, I was, you know, walking with a buddy the other day and we were just talking about life and whatever. And he just said, you know, well, I believe in karma. And so I, mm. so yeah. when someone says that, because I hear people say that to me often, like, oh, bro, I believe yeah. in karma. Yeah. So, you know, like, I just believe that good things are going to happen, you know, if we do good. Yeah. But are you saying that they're trying to get yeah. out of the car, like, out of that? Like, yeah, that that's a really fun one. I hear that often, too. Mm -hmm. And when people mention karma, at least, you know, in the West, when I hear it around me, it's almost never the way Buddhists kind of, or even Hindus, understand it. It's it, we have a more kind of vague sense of, you know, you get back what you put out there, so mm -hmm. to speak. Yeah, you put out put something good out there is going to come back to you. I mean, it in some ways that yeah, you know, Hindus believe that too. But it's it's never. In, in its full context of the wheel of reincarnation. Yeah. Right? Because the, the doctrine of karma is so tightly connected to the, to the wheel of reincarnation. But, I, but when I hear karma from around me, it's usually detached. Karma is simply sort of cause and effect. And I, I think the reason why we, a, a lot of us, really um, hold to karma is that it appeals to our sense of justice. Hmm. So you, you might have seen some of these like instant karma videos, right? Where a guy does something horrible and right away, bang, something yeah. happens <laughs> yeah. to him. Like yeah. I, I saw this one where, you know, there's this guy crossing the road, this elderly guy with this big bright MAGA hat on, and he was like flipping off whoever the driver that was recording him crossing the road. Um, I guess the guy saw something about this car that tipped him off that the you know people who were in the car were liberals or something. Anyway, this guy's just flipping him flipping them off as he's walking by. But then as he is flipping them off, he doesn't see that there he's walking into this lamppost and he's just bang, right? And everybody's like, this is the dopamine moment, right? This is supposed to be like instant karma. Yeah, right? totally. But um so so I think there is a, a uh, sense of it appeals to our sense of justice uh, so i think that's why we want to believe in karma but there is also a very dark side to karma that people don't really consider mm -hmm. is that um so i i sometimes ask people do you believe in compassion it's like yeah do you believe in mercy of course like so do you believe in helping those who are suffering yeah everybody believes that but the problem is if you hold to karma strictly, there is no room for compassion mm. because the reason you're suffering, for example, the, the reason you're suffering is because you need to pay down something you've done in your past life. Mm. So let's say, um, let's say, you know, I am suffering, right? I get this nasty cancer or whatever. And you, Andrew, you know, being the kind of, stand-up guy that you are, you come to visit me, you try to make me comfortable, you spend time with me, and you would even, you know, um, reach into your pocket and fork out money for my treatment and all that kind of stuff. But the problem is when you do that, if you hold to karma, what you're doing is you're getting in my way of paying down my karmic debt. So you're going to keep me in suffering longer, hmm. right? I need to suffer. Oh, okay. So, 
so if I so if you get if you try to help somebody, you're really getting in the way of that that karma working itself out. And so that that's one dark side that people don't often mm. consider. If you take karma to its extreme, mm-hmm. you can or at least karma as we typically understand it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this yeah. kind of you something you put out there or something coming back. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, really interesting. I feel like people in the West here, uh, like you said, they don't use that in its full context. They just it's only about like kind of the good works. And and I wonder what people like what what Buddhists would say to someone who they would say is a really, really good person and something bad happens to them. Like it just it the action and mm-hmm. reaction doesn't line up. How do they deal with that? Yeah. Um in some ways, it's simple. He must have done something wrong in the right. past life. So he's paying for basically right? so, something that. Yeah, yeah it, it's it's coming yeah. back eventually yeah. to, but so you can see how the doctrine of karma might just kind of, if you take it the wrong way, like you, you could justify just about anything that you see. Oh, he yeah. must have happened. Right, that is, he must have done something wrong, or he must have done something good in the past life. So he's enjoying all this luxury. But it's to me, it seems more like it's always sort of justified after the fact. Mm-hmm. Something happens, only then can you say, "Oh, yeah, he must have done something wrong." Yeah. Um, but yeah, hey, it's really that's really really fascinating. And I wonder, like, okay, so if we go, we we understand, you know, there's the you know all these different like the eightfold path. There's the four noble mm-hmm. truths. We talked about the middle way, which is like, you know, the kind of going in the middle from that suffering and that mm-hmm. crazy pleasure. And so do do Buddhist, Buddhists have a view of God? Yeah. Or what, do they say, um, what do they say of God? Their view of God is that he doesn't exist. <laughs> oh, really? So Buddhism okay. actually, yeah. yeah. So Buddhism, strictly speaking, is, is an, well, there are, a couple of major divisions in Buddhism. So you have the Theravada Buddhism, which is the more, I mean, for the lack of a better term, it's the older, more orthodox version of it. Um, so they, they are very much atheistic. God doesn't exist. Any sort of transcendent personal creator does not exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to rely on yourself mm-hmm. to achieve nirvana. Um, so you find this form of Buddhism in places like Southeast Asia, like Cambodia, Thailand, you know, the, those kinds of places. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then as you, <clears throat> excuse me, and then as you come more to the, the Far East, so I'm thinking China, Korea, Japan, these places, you have uh, what's known as the Mahayana Buddhism. Mm-hmm. And Mahayana Buddhism came along a few centuries after the life and death of Gotama Buddha. And this one is a little bit more of a pantheistic variety. And in this view, the Buddhas, um, once they've achieved nirvana, they don't just pass into non-existence, but they stick around as almost like God figures that you can actually appeal to, that people hmm. can pray to. Interesting. Um, and so... It's a little bit different, but uh, the idea in Mahayana Buddhism, the key idea is that we all have this Buddha nature 
So all that we need to do is basically, you know, again, for the lack of a better word, unleash that, right? Mm -hmm. So we all have this uh, spark of the divine in us, in a sense, um, the Buddha nature, and we need to. So in Mahayana Buddhism, it's actually theoretically possible for you to attain nirvana in this lifetime. Mm. Uh, whereas Theravada Buddhists are a little bit more pessimistic on that. Mm. They, they will continue to you know, meditate and things like that uh, with this sort of a, um, they're, they're, they don't have this idea that you're, they're going to reach nirvana in this lifetime. Right, right. But they, but they continue to push in that direction nonetheless. Yeah. So, so again, sh in short, the Theravada Buddhism, it's more of an atheistic variety. Um, Mahayana Buddhism is more of a pantheistic variety. But I often point out to people that atheism and Buddhism sorry, atheism and pantheism, they're really, in a way, two sides of the same coin. Mm. Because either way, there is no personal transcendent creator. Mm -hmm. Right? And you have to rely on yourself, ultimately, or humanity collectively will have to rely on itself. Mm -hmm. And here's a key thing that people need to remember about Buddhism, is that they, they don't believe in God, any sort of personal transcendent creator, and the Buddha simply means somebody who's enlightened, mm -hmm. the enlightened one. Mm -hmm. So the goal is for you and me each to become a Buddha. Right. Right. It, it, a, a Buddha is not a god. Yeah. A Buddha is a human being who has achieved enlightenment. So that's what we're going for. So it's, it can be a very kind of a self-reliant. So Theravada Buddhism would be very much self-reliant kind mm -hmm. of a religion. Uh, Mahayana Buddhism is a, a little bit more you you can appeal to uh, the buddhas or bodhisattvas or uh, other sort of semi-divine beings mm -hmm. for assistance but even then as a hum as humanity collectively we have to rely on ourselves that's really stressful to rely on myself <laughs> mm. oh man that yeah. would just be so stressful i just you know yeah yeah, so it, it's very much a, uh, especially Theravada Buddhism is very much works based. Totally, yeah. Uh, kind of a religion mm -hmm. where you have to do the work yourself, or if you go on to more the Mahayana Buddhism. So there is a, a stream of Buddhist tradition called Pure Land Buddhism, and in this view, so you see this in you know China, Korea, Japan. And in this view, each Buddha has a pure land, a world of his own, so to speak. And if you appeal to this Buddha when you die, you may be taken to that pure land where you can actually do all the, the works necessary then to be liberated, to attain nirvana. So in some ways, in Mahayana Buddhism, there is room for grace, but it's never grace alone, right? It's grace plus yeah. works. Grace plus works for sure. And I wonder, so like the, like, cause I mean, the main purpose he said was to cease to exist. So they go through this process and then mm -hmm. when they die, what's, mm -hmm. where do they go? They're, they can connect to certain Buddhas to, you know, reach, get their own, like what's the next process for them? Do they think? So, yeah, it, it depends on uh, which kind of, 
uh, stream of Buddhism, I guess. Because there's like a seems like stream of Buddhism. Yeah. 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 So in Theravada Buddhism, it's more like, well, you when you die, you come back unless you've attained Nirvana, at which point you're going to cease to exist. You're going to snuff out like a candle snuffs out. In Mahayana Buddhism, when you die, like if you've done enough good works and if you follow the Eightfold Path really well, then you might be taken to, say, in in the case of Pure Land Buddhism, you might be taken to one of these paradises mm. um, that's owned by a Buddha, um, where, where a Buddha dwells. And from there, you can uh, do further works to be liberated. So once you're in, in a Pure Land, you're more or less kind of guaranteed to reach nirvana but um but either way you have to do the works um and if not you might come back in another life oh you know you mm -hmm. again there's no real yeah. you yeah, but yeah yeah the the karmic processes will kind of continue on and you're mm -hmm. trapped in it yeah wow okay so i mean you're right. When we talked about this at the very beginning, it's like you want to study a religion that's very, very different. Um, you know, this is mm -hmm. very different from Christianity. So, I mean, as the Bud as the Buddhists, mm -hmm. you know, philosophy teaches this concept of karma and this circle of reincarnation. Um, walk us through the contrast, like the biblical perspective of, you know, sin, redemption, afterlife, mm -hmm. just to show people who are listening, yep. wow, like these are, this is, very different. Like, let's put them side by side. Yeah. So start with you. Uh, start with the view of God. Like mm -hmm. I said earlier, they don't believe in a transcendent personal creator, and the reason that they don't need any concept of God in that sense is because they have karma, and karma is just, you know, action and reaction. This chain of cause and effect that goes mm -hmm. on and on. And so it, it, they don't need God to hold anything together, so to speak, mm -hmm. right? And so, so there, there's that. You know, they don't really believe in a personal transcendent creator. When it comes to humanity, they don't think that you have a self, right? right? Whereas we think we have a soul, we have a self, we have an essence. Mm -hmm. um, but then, w when it comes to sin and evil, um, they they are more concerned with suffering than the concept of sin. And so some Buddhists yeah. will straight up tell you that evil is an illusion. Everything is an illusion, including what we call evil. Hmm. And so that can be a real tr tricky thing. So they, they talk about it more in terms of wholesome and unwholesome mm -hmm. acts, mm -hmm. right? That's going to help you achieve nirvana or not. So something like murder would be unwholesome, mm -hmm. right? Compassion and showing compassion and mercy, that would be wholesome. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, it, so from an outsider's perspective, like it, they can be construed as very pragmatic that way. Mm -hmm. So, and and the fundamental problem with humanity is not sin; it's ignorance. Right. The, the ignorance is what's keeping you in the cycle of reincarnation, and so right. the solution to that is not salvation from the outside, somebody paying your debt, but you actually have to be enlightened. You have to have you have to see the world for what it actually is, so that you can navigate this life mm -hmm. in a way that helps you attain nirvana. And so, it's it's very much a works based uh, thing. Yeah. And then the afterlife, of course, like I said earlier, the end game for uh, Buddhism cease is for you to cease to exist. 
yeah. yeah ultimately yeah. whether you cease to exist like into nothingness or whether or you kind of blend into this sort of one one buddhist monk described it this way right that we ourselves or the illusion of it it's more like a wave in the ocean and when the wave comes up it's gonna melt into the sea again right so Mahayana Buddhists would probably look at it more like that, where you kind of arise out of this hmm. dharma or whatever this impersonal force it may be, and then you kind of go back into it and you lose your identity, so to speak, hmm. as you kind of go back into. So again, the the, the uh, whereas in Christianity, right, what we are looking for is the restoration of this world. Mm-hmm. We're not looking for escaping from this world what god is doing is he's reversing all the 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 death and and he mm. he he pays for the penalty of sin right and and all the sin and evil then get quarantined paid for and quarantined and this world will be restored where the dwelling place of god and the dwelling place of humanity will be united as one so that you know um we will be his people and he will be our god and we will live in that that reunity forever and ever um with god and in the presence of god and in the presence of one another yeah um so buddhism is very very different that way totally and i wonder like it's so helpful for us to kind of unpack you know it's really interesting because you know just trying to think of how can we best equip people to say we bump into someone mm-hmm. who, or even we have family members who are Buddhist or how do we love yeah. and encourage and share the gospel, share the truth in a way that maybe would help them understand it. So when we get a history of what they believe and a history of even the different kind of streams of Buddhism, um, it just helps mm-hmm. equip us to share the truth yeah. in a language and in a way that, you know, might, um, you know, connect with them. And so even when you talk about the eightfold path, that's what it was called, right? Eightfold yeah. path. I think it was eightfold path. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. okay. Eightfold and they path. have some, yeah, they have some similarities as far as like, don't murder and don't commit adultery. Okay. So like we have some common thoughts there or, you know, mm-hmm. it, you can just kind of see all the different things and how, you know, there is a, a an ounce in some of it of truth and then it gets twisted mm-hmm. even like when you were mentioning yeah. like oh you know there's a, they, they all believe there's a little bit of like a divine nature within them it's like well we're all made in the image of christ mm-hmm. and so yeah. you know it but then it's all just twisted and it, and it gets lost yeah yeah i on that note because that's really interesting we as so buddhists mahayana buddhists might believe that they are in the end they have this Buddha nature mm-hmm. and strictly speaking, they're divine. They may be ignorant of it, but they're, we're, we're all divine, right? We're mm-hmm. part of this all one, one big reality. We are divine. Whereas Christians will say, no, we have the divine living in us, mm. right? That's a big difference. That's huge. We're not divine, yeah, but we have the divine living in us. Yeah. He dwells yes. in and among us. So, yeah. That's really cool because I feel so like... So when it... Oh, sorry. I'll just say... One of the uh, dangerous doctrines that we've covered before was like little God theology. And I feel like that would be similar to like, hey, I'm actually divine. Mm -hmm. When we get the scriptures twisted. Yeah, that's that's very much um, (laughs) 
not what Christianity teaches. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, for um, sure. <laughs> I know a lot of sort of new age people, they like to quote Jesus, uh, who in turn, in turn quotes from the book of Psalms when he says, you know, you are gods. I've, I've even seen some really liberal pastors say yes. that, right? You yeah, are for sure. gods. I'm just like, yeah. well, you read that Psalm in um, context. That's not at all what it's talking about. God is actually addressing his divine counsel. Uh, he is not, or, or according to another view, he's actually um, chastising the earthly judges, right? But either way, the point isn't that you are actually divine. Yes. Um, in fact, there are plenty of other places in the book of Isaiah where, where it says, you know, like, I, I, I'm not a man, right? My, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways, right? It, there is very much, and even the doctrine of creation, if you look at it, you know, mm. if you think through it systematically, what ends up happening is, well, God is wholly other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he has some, we have some communicable attributes in yes. theology. Yeah, we, we talk about communicable attributes, right? The kinds of things that we have in common with God, like, mm -hmm. you know, ha having will and intention and, 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 and these things, more, we're moral agents, so mm -hmm. on and so forth. But then we're utterly different mm -hmm. when it comes to, you know, God is infinite. We're not. Yeah, God we're is not omnipresent. omnipresent. Not. We can't be right? everywhere. Yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, on that note, what's very different about Eastern religions in general, including Buddhism mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the Judeo-Christian worldview, is that often you'll have the kind of God who is either all completely personal, like mm -hmm. you see, for example, in you know, Greco-Roman mythologies. These are basically bigger versions of ourselves, like Zeus, Athena, whoever it might be. In the Eastern religions, God is all, um, God is all infinite. It's not personal, mm -hmm. right? Whereas in the Judeo-Christian worldview, God is both personal and infinite. So there is another key difference. Yeah. Um, when it comes to talking to our friends and family or somebody that you bump into who believes in Buddhism, my word of advice to Christians mm -hmm. is just go into a, to the student mode. Don't assume, because like, like I said, this religion is so different and uh, the person who uh, practices Buddhism might have some quirky ideas about it, right? It's one thing to learn Buddhism from a textbook. It's another thing to actually talk to the person. Just as, you know, just because somebody calls himself a Christian, when you actually talk to the guy, yeah. he might not believe anything like uh, a Christian. Or he might have some very curious ideas about salvation or the nature of God or nature of humanity, so on and so forth. So be in the student mode, be curious, ask that person what he believes about the world or she believes about the world. Um, <clears throat> that, you know, what's your view of God? What's your view of, you know, explain to me karma and how that leads to the wheel of reincarnation, you know, and what's your view of humanity? Do we have souls, right? And here's, here's another curious thing. Um, this might be helpful for you. Like if you don't actually have a soul, it actually causes a lot of problem for morality. Because hmm. morality is a quality of personhood and more than that it's it's a quality 
that is established between persons. So, for example,、mm-hmm. we have in morality we talk about moral duty. Well,、mm-hmm. a duty is something you owe, and you can only owe things to other persons.、Mm-hmm. Like I don't owe this microphone anything, right? The The、yeah. desk doesn't owe you anything, but if、yeah. I borrow a book from you, I owe it to you to return it to you. Now I have a duty, right? So duty is something that's、mm-hmm. established between persons.、Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you could say something similar about moral values. So these things all fall apart when you don't have personhood. Yeah, because、totally. in the end, you're not nothing but blind processes fluctuating、mm-hmm. five aggregates, right? And Um, so that that might be helpful to just keep in the back of your mind, but just be in the student mode and ask lots of questions about that person, because Christians actually have a bad reputation of, you know, they they think they are know it alls, like they think they have the truth and they don't care about anyone else's beliefs. Really, if you want to be effective, you want to know what the other person believes so you can、yeah. build bridges. Yeah, totally, and that's why、yeah. we're actually even doing this series. It's like, okay, well. Instead of just going and slamming people with the truth, how can we learn about you know different religions、mm-hmm. that'll help us engage with conversation to just talk in the natural and、yeah. get to, and and let it be founded on relationship, not just hey we have the truth you're wrong. No, no. Well, tell me what you believe、mm-hmm. and let's walk through it together. And you know, I love that you say、yeah. that. Just be a student, be curious, ask questions, and yeah, you know, that's really important. Yeah, and. and- There are bridges that you can build too.、Mm-hmm. So, for example,、um, everybody suffers,、yeah. and that's one thing I can, I can really kind of sign off on is the doctrine of suffering. Now, I don't know that all is suffering, but I certainly suffer.、Mm-hmm. Everybody suffers at some point.、Mm-hmm. Buddhists suffer as well, and so suffering is real. And yet, on the other hand, you can't really validate it because、hmm. suffering requires a subject that suffers. But again, we're told that you actually don't exist. So, who is the one that's really suffering in the end?、Hmm. It's nothing but an illusion, right? So, what I want to do is I want to validate my Buddhist friend's suffering as this is real. This is not an illusion.、Mm-hmm. You are hurting, and th- what happened to you is not fair,、mm-hmm. right? You, you, anyway. Um, so, and, and another question that might be helpful is something along these lines, right? A series of questions. When you're suffering,、mm-hmm. what helps you the most?、Mm. Do you find that it brings more healing to bear it on your own, or to bear it together with someone else?、Mm. And if someone offered to bear all that burden on your behalf so you can find healing, would you accept it?、Mm. Right, and I, I'm very much mindful of the suffering servant of Isaiah 53, that、mm. by his stripes we're healed, right? And, and everybody suffers, including Buddhists. And Jesus has a real solution to the problem of suffering, in the end.、Um, another、um, point of connection might be. See what I'm trying to do is I I want to leverage our experience of the world,、mm-hmm. right? So if a view is false, at some point it's going to come into conflict with reality.、Mm-hmm. There is this story told of、uh, Dallas 
Willard, who was a very godly man, um, one time chair of the philosophy department at the University of Southern California. Uh, one night he's giving this lecture talking about truth. And at the end, during Q&A, this young lady comes up to the microphone and rather kind of arrogantly says, well, you've been talking about truth all night, but what is truth? And Dallas Willard, as the story is told, in a very Dallas Willard kind of way, paused for a minute and very slowly, slowly said, truth is reality and reality is something you bump into when you're wrong. Hmm. So if a view is false, at some point you're going to bump into it. Mm -hmm. So what I want to ask my Buddhist friend is, do you find anything beautiful in this world? Is there value to this world? Is there room for restoration in your worldview? Mm -hmm. Because Buddhism, strictly speaking, the goal is for you to escape this world because all right. is suffering. Right. But um, I believe that Buddhists, like anybody else, including Christians, uh, will encounter beauty mm -hmm. at some point. And I want to sort of bring them back to that. Do you find anything beautiful in this world? Is this world something that's valuable that deserves to be restored and not just be escaped from? Yeah, that's really um, good. And uh, a couple more things just quickly. Because Buddhism is very works-based or is at least Grace Plus works, this question applies to any works-based religion, right? When's enough? When will you know you have done enough? Totally, totally. Right? That's the question I yeah. was wondering. It's like, how do they have the assurance? Yeah, and a lot of them don't have any assurance that it's going to happen. Um, they can only hope that at some point down the road in this wheel of reincarnation that you will get to that. Um, mm. And so a, along with that, I might ask some questions like, if there is a guaranteed salvation you can attain in this life and someone else has done all the work for you, would you be interested in learning more about it? Mm. Because that's what Christianity teaches is that yes, there is real salvation that you can have in this life because there is only one life that you're gonna live, but it, this offer is there, you don't need to do anything about it. Somebody has done all the work for you and all yeah. you need to do is receive the yeah. gift of salvation. So those might be some questions that you might want to raise with your Buddhist, Buddhist friends, but again, only after you've done a lot of learning from your friend. Yes. Student first. And then that mm -hmm. opens the path to some good questions and, you know, opportunities. And I love that the more we study mm -hmm. and become students, the more we understand what's the best questions to ask and how to ask them and why to ask them. You know, these are all really yeah. great ways to build bridges. Like you're mentioning, that's really fantastic. This is this has been so good. I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate um, all this wisdom and uh, just these practical steps, uh, going through the history, going through what the beliefs are, their core beliefs, and then giving us some practical um, tips on how to build bridges with people in our lives or friends or neighbors uh, to point them to a hope and to a salvation that is not works-based but a, a beautiful free gift that comes through Jesus. And so I'm so grateful 
for that work in your life, in my life. And uh, I'm grateful for all that you're doing in ministry, brother. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, I'll probably be seeing you in person in I can't wait. a few weeks time. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I, it was such an honor to spend this time with you to talk about this. Yeah, thank, thank you. you so much, man. God bless you and we'll see you in a few weeks. All right. Wow. That was a fantastic interview. That man, so much insight and so yeah. many things that oh, yeah. uh, I had no idea about. Like I didn't know there was tons of Buddhas. I just yeah. assumed Buddha was like the main kind of God. Uh, I also didn't realize that they don't believe in God whatsoever. And I didn't understand, like, you know, you hear a lot of people in, you know, the Western world when they say, oh yeah, bro, I believe in karma. I believe in karma. Maybe they don't fully grasp it's what yeah, like it's they, not the same thing at no, all. No, it? it's just a piece of yeah, you know, that circle of reincarnation and all these different things. So I feel like we don't have a proper I feel like I finally, you know, took a deep dive and oh, it's not what we think yeah. karma is or Buddhism is. Um those are really interesting. And the other big one for me was I didn't realize the whole point was to cease to exist. Yeah. Like the end goal, he said, is to be like snuffed out like a candle. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, that's very different from us where we're going to have eternal life forever and we'll be together in the presence of Christ and we'll be reunited. Yeah, like the the whole end goal of it, especially compared to Christianity, it seems so different. So like different. The, the impetus is just avoid suffering or yes. be done with yeah. suffering. Yeah. Um, Something that uh, stuck out to me was just in the end when you're wanting to engage with Buddhists and coming at it from that perspective of being a student and wanting to understand because knowing I think what they believe we can ask the right questions that spark true and deep reflection Mm -hmm. that I think is required to to get your mind thinking about what what you really believe and does this is this something that I that I truly believe even asking them is there beauty in this world Mm. And if there there is beauty in this world, can there be restoration? Mm-hmm. In the Buddhist mindset, you're trying to escape this world. Yeah. And it's interesting that even Christians struggle with that, mm-hmm. of having that mindset of, oh, well, we just want to escape this world. Yeah. But we really want restoration for everyone. Yeah. That's quite interesting to me. It's very interesting to me. And I feel like, you know, just doing a deep dive and learning, becoming a student. I just always think of the Ray Comfort episode we had a while ago in season one, where we just talked about, okay, first you talk about the natural, talk about, you know, have common ground. And then it's, you know, transitions into super like spiritual conversations and you go into the supernatural. And I feel like by asking questions and becoming a student, now you're building bridges and you're being able to kind of find common ground. Like it's very interesting that a lot of things are, you know, even when they have like the eightfold path where it's like, okay, no adultery and no murder, all these different things. Okay. Those are all really good things. And we have similar, you know, the 10 commandments or whatever the case is. I know it's split up differently with the eightfold, you know, path. It's not like the 10 commandments, but you see some things where, okay, we could, we could build a, this will help like just understanding where we differ and where, we agree with some of their, you know, sort of like a shared morality. Yeah, I guess, in that sense. Well, and and ultimately, I think you, 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 we have to remind ourselves 
that we're not the ones that are saving people. Totally. God does the saving. Yeah. So I think we really have to approach it like the way that Paul did in, mm-hmm. in Athens, where it's, you know, he finds that uh that place for the unknown God and he uses that as mm-hmm. like, hey, so this is what you guys believe. I'm here to show you, okay, this this is what I Mm-hmm. believe fills that void that you guys are missing here. Yeah. And I think in the same way with, with Buddhism and, um, and what they believe, I think you need to be informed yeah. enough to ask the right questions yeah. that get them to think about the things that will ultimately cause them to either understand what they believe more or it'll, allow them to be enlightened to what Christianity has yeah. to offer that's missing in Buddhism. Yeah, like even like that example he gave about like Dallas Willard when he said, you know, I was like, just going to say that, yeah. that truth code. Do you code. remember? Yeah, the truth code. Do you have that truth code? Or um, you don't probably well, I, don't have it up. No, there. I don't have it up, but I think it was, it's like if truth you, is reality, reality. Yeah. and reality is what you bump into when you're wrong. Yes. It takes a minute to really yep. think it through. That's it. But that's it's, it. it's, true and it's with what uh, marcus here was saying about like we all have a worldview whether you're buddhist or christian or atheist yeah and so it's a matter of asking is your worldview true yeah and so then if you use that quote yeah it's like okay so if your worldview is bumping into yeah reality yeah then you got to figure yeah, yeah you got to clashing fi- with reality i yeah. guess is how you would think about and it and even like the question you're saying about like oh like um is everything is there anything in the world that's beautiful it's like well if buddhism really believes that they need to escape the world because that's not true and we have deep meaningful conversations where we're learning from each other and we ask this question it's like well we believe that there are beautiful things in the world then all of a sudden they're bumping yep. reality's bumping when maybe they were going down a path that might not have been right. Well, yeah. and and again, like think about the point of suffering, mm-hmm. how big of a, a a subject that is for it's huge. That's integral to what they believe. It's foundational. And so, yeah. when you take Christianity that says, "Well, Christ did the suffering," mm-hmm. you don't have to suffer anymore. So, mm-hmm. if if you knew that somebody has already paid the price mm-hmm. and has already suffered on your behalf would you take it would you take it yeah. Yeah. yeah jesus is reality yeah in the fullness of time everyone is going to know that christ is lord mm. and so when we approach having conversations with people um we're just trying to help them along the way to yeah. fully understanding because we we know that we have the truth mm-hmm. and we have the hope in yeah. Christ. Yeah. And so Jesus is going to do the the work in their hearts. Yeah. Yeah. It's just our job to to talk with them and yeah. to and to have a heart of compassion and yeah. understanding and and sharing what we know. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise we're doing a disservice to totally. ourselves and to and to them. Totally. I even remember like when we did the episode on Mormonism like you know, they're out there sharing the message all the time and it's like we feel like we have truth and we just sometimes close our mouths and we don't share it and i always think of matt smethers episode as well like we've had so many great episodes go back through the archives we've had amazing conversations with honestly some of my heroes 
And Matt Smethers, who wrote a book, Before You Share Your Faith, said, you know, we're just, you know, delivering the mail. Like, we don't open the, it's a, it's a federal offense, in fact, to open the message, to change the message. We just literally deliver. And so through engagement, through conversation, through fellowship, having love and compassion for our neighbors, and just uh, being students to just learn and make space for people to share, um, having a foundation of trust within a friendship where you can bring your perspective. Um, we just, like Marcus said, we can't save anyone. We just deliver the mail. We share the message of what changed our lives, and it's up to God to do what only God can do. Just keep doing your best. Yep. Pray that it's blessed. Come on. Jesus takes care of the rest. Okay. On Keith that Green. Ab- <laughs> oh, come on. Keith Green was amazing, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But that is the truth. And um, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. I feel like, is there any other big takeaways or can we let these poor people go? We can You're let not, them. They're not poor people. Wait. Well, they could be poor. I'm just saying. No, that's, he, he's not wrong. Um, hey, listen, we love you guys, and we hope that this has been a blessing. Uh, I've really been enjoying this series, just learning about different faith backgrounds to prepare and equip me to be on mission and love and just have a, the right questions and the right approach to different people. And so we know we live in a country where there are many different backgrounds, many different faith walks, and so we want to be prepared and to equip you uh, to do the work that God's prepared for you where you are. And so we hope this is a blessing. Again, hit the like, hit the subscribe, do all those things. It really helps us, um, and it helps us resource you with uh, some of this content. And so be blessed. We'll see you next Monday. And uh, Barack, do you want to say bye? You want to say bye to the people? or uh, Bye for now. Shoot about to take go. Rat-tat-tat-tookie go. Rootie-doo-bat-toom-de-take-a-go. Shoot it by go. Siddhartha Kwadama was walking through the forest Trying to reconcile all the sufferings of his day Through his traveling and some deep meditation He settled on a journey that he called the middle way He taught about what he called the Four Noble Truths To help people with their suffering He was the only one enlightened with this truth Under the tree of awakening Karma helps all the Buddha's followers stay focused to try and live good to get some good back in return. There's so much to say about Buddhism, so let's tune in and see what else that we can learn. Enjoy the end out show, let's see what else that we can learn.